0: you ever think about it, how crazy it is that the trajectory of your life probably comes down to a handful of decisions you make in your life? You might go two handfuls, but you're probably stretching it. Think about the weight of that. Maybe a half a dozen decisions that you make in your life determine everything else. That makes you look at every decision a little harder. (laughs) Mark Batterson says, you're only one defining decision away from a totally different life. One defining decision can change your trajectory and put you on a new path towards the promised land. One defining decision can totally change the forecast of your life. It's those defining decisions that become the defining moments of your life. We call them around here game changers. A time stops, life altering, you'll never be the same again kind of moment. We're taking our series, the Somebody Series, and it's encounters with Jesus. The encounters with Jesus in, the New, it was in Scripture, in the New Testament, we've been going through. And it's those moments people come in contact with Jesus and how they are different after that time. Today, we're going to talk about Simon of Cyrene. But one of the things I just want to remind you, it's not the, just the point that you've had an encounter with Jesus. That's great but it's what happens after the encounter that really matters. Oh, I know what it's like to encounter Jesus at 16. I know what it's like to run from him for a decade. It's not the fact, just the fact that you have an encounter with Jesus. It's what you do after the encounter that really matters. Good morning. Happy Father's Day. We've got this time that you've set aside to be in here this morning. Thank you for doing that. Let's ring it out. Why not? Let's do something with it. Here we go. Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15. This account that you'll see here are in three different Gospels. But this one, I, you'll see why, hopefully, why I chose to read this one on Father's Day. Okay? And the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is the governor's quarters, and they called together the whole battalion. They clothed him in a pure cloak and twisted together a crown of thorns, and they put on him. And this is Jesus, obviously. I should say, obviously. Maybe you don't know. But it is Jesus, this is being that they're doing here. And they began to salute him. Hail, the king of the Jews! And they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him, and they led him out to crucify him. And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of, father of Alexander and Rufus, to, which, to, excuse me, to carry his cross, and they brought him to a place called Golgotha, which means the place... Of a skull. And they offered him his wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. And it was the third hour when they crucified him, and the inscription on the charge against him said, The King of the Jews. A little context here. That obviously, again, you probably understand what's happening here. If you know the story of Jesus being crucified, you see, you know the process that's led up to this. Now they're leaving Pontius Pilate's uh, palace or quarters, and now they're marching to Golgotha, not Calvary, the skull. As they're marching along, about that Jesus is carrying, the best we understand, Jesus is carrying, as they say, carrying the cross, but probably more like a cross. The cross itself probably weighed about 300 pounds, but the cross beam uh, probably weighed between 75 and 125 pounds or so. It's probably more, it depends on who you're talking to, probably more what he was carrying was that. But you've got to consider, though, he'd already been beaten. So he's carrying this. Crowds gathering around. And there's this man in the crowd named Simon. Now, we don't even know if Simon's really even trying to pay attention to what's going on. Maybe he's been there many times and this happens. So reality is you just kind of walk on by. After a while, if you've seen people being crucified, maybe that's a normal thing. If you have been before, then you may just walk on by. But at least in this situation, it says he was passing by. He'd come in from the country for whatever reason and he's singled out out of the crowd. You ever felt like you were singled out? Well, he was. Now, there's a chance here that Simon doesn't even know who Jesus is. He more than likely sure doesn't know what's going on that day. He's just passing by but the Roman centurions had the authority to call you, call any citizen out of whatever they're doing if it had advanced the Roman Empire. It, they could, he could pull them out, so they did. And I love the word here is the word compelled. Now, you know we use the term compelled around here a lot. <laughs> and when you see that word compelled there... You go, but they drug him out. He didn't want to do it. <laughs> but they had the authority to compel him. And I love the, the translation from a Latin, from, from a per, the word, because from a Persian interpretation to Latin, it means to be pressed into the service of a king. Compelled. So in light of how we use it here. To be compelled is to be pressed into service of a king. So they pull him out of the crowd, and there he is. It's one thing to have an encounter with Jesus, but it's what you do after that encounter that really matters. How does this apply to us today? We see it in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We see Jesus mentions in all three of them are talking about picking up your cross and carrying it. But how does that look for us? Because a common phrase that many of us would use is, well, that's my cross to bear. Anybody ever use that? Well, that's my cross to bear. Meaning for most of us, if you've ever used that or ever heard anyone use that, and you don't have to be a Christian to use that, that's been used in a lot of different settings, but it usually means that there's some kind of problem or issue that I have to carry. And it's one of those things that you can't just simply put down. It's something that has been put on you, or you've been put in, or circumstance you've been put in, that you can't just go, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore, I'm just going to go put it down. It could be an illness. It could be a circumstance you never were asked, you would have never asked your worst enemy to be put into It could be with your children. It could be in a lot of different circumstances. You have now been put in this and you're having to carry it and you cannot just simply put it down. Anybody in here ever been there? You may not ever use the phrase, I've got a cross to bear. But I have a feeling... Many of you, if not most of you in here, have been where I just described. You didn't ask to be there. You were just passing by. (laughs) You, You didn't even know what was going on that day. You didn't know. But no, you're called into it to carry it. Simon helps us a little bit. one of the things that I love about this story is, and I'll share with you a little bit later, why I believe Alexander and Rufus are acknowledged in this passage of Scripture. Being Father's Day and all. But one of the things I think, and I've been there and you've been there, one of the things that that is really hard when you have something put on you that you can't just put down. One well, there's four things, but one is it's unexpected. And there are times when this happens that you say this. I was trying to do everything right. And now this has still been put on me. You're like, wow, where did that come from? the part is, It's inconvenient. It's an annoyance. It really blows up my plans. We've seen it for people in retirement. We've seen it for people in different, they're going to go do this, and all of a sudden this happens. You had all these plans, but somewhere along this cross to bear became not only a surprise, now it seems pretty inconvenient. We realize when that has been given to us many times, we are unprepared. We're reluctant. We're reluctant to take it on because we realize we may be in over our head. That's the reason I want to share with you today. I have a feeling all of us are going to have crosses to bear. The question is, are we doing what today, preparing ourselves for what may come tomorrow? See, you don't get a text You don't get a heads up email or a phone call. It's just there. And what you have done up to that point to prepare for it determines everything if you're not careful. What you have been doing daily, knowing. And there's still going to be that gap where you have to depend on Him. You can do all those other things, and you're still going to have to depend on him. He leaves that gap. You'll never prepare enough. Sometimes it's even an embarrassment. We're embarrassed by it. Sometimes it's what's been put on us. Sometimes it's what we put ourselves in. We're embarrassed, so we don't know how to walk through it. We don't know how to carry it out. Many times, these crosses to bear lead us to a place of crucifixion of our own natural inhibitions, our own natural. We talk about it as a staff. There are things God gifts us with, but there are things that are not natural to us that He's going to cause, allow to change to where we'd become everything we're supposed to be or we'd just depend on ourselves. He's going to hone us. He's going to shape us. And sometimes these cross to bear. He is bringing us around. He is changing us in the middle of all of it. And when we run from it, when we just want to put it down, we may be missing out on some of the most transformative times of our life of what He wants to do there. And what we think sometimes maybe someone has put it on us and we're thinking God's wanting to change him and what he's doing is, yes, he wants to change him, but he very well may be trying to change you as much. That's what we don't like. We would always stay stuck there if somehow or another this situation wasn't on our life. Then there's those things we have a choice in. We like to say there are crosses to bear, but the reality is there are crosses we could put down. I don't know about you, but there are many times I have been haunted by the writer of Hebrews with this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us. Years ago, when I resisted throwing off the weight of alcohol, why was I so determined to keep trying to run my race with this habit that had begun to feel so heavy? Why? Fortunately, I laid it down, but it's happened to me many times since then. I hear the Holy Spirit saying, aren't you ready to put that down? It looks like it's getting heavier the longer you hold it, (laughs) the longer you carry it. You know, I was thinking, you know, when you pick up a weight, you carry a weight. There's a lot of times you can carry that weight for a certain amount of time and you can sit there and go, Well, sure I can do this for a minute. Then I sure I can do it, maybe even for 10 minutes. But then all of a sudden, now it's an hour, and now it's ten hours, and now it's two days, and now it's now this 10 pounds that I picked up originally, I thought I could carry, now it doesn't feel like ten pounds anymore, does it? Because now I'm fatigued. But you know what, what many of you do? You don't do that. You do this. You just figure out how to try to redistribute it. That's what you do. You just redistribute it so I can carry it. I'm not going to get rid of any of it. Oh, no, I want to carry it. Well, I don't know if I want to carry it. That's not even the right way to say it. I don't know if it's I want to carry it. It's just the fact I'm going to carry it. I'm going to choose not to, not to let it down. So what I try to do is just redistribute it around so I can just carry it a little longer. Do you know this 16 pounds or whatever this is here? If that 16 pounds showed up one day in your arm and all, all that 16 pounds was there, you'd figure out how to, something's wrong. I shouldn't get the 16 extra pounds in my arm, but if I distribute it well and I hide it well and I move it around well, then I can carry it well, right? No, you don't. I can tell you got an extra sixteen pounds. I won't tell you who I see on. No, I'm not going to get into that. But here's the deal: the sort of transformation sometimes happens at once. Sometimes it's a slow burn. <laughs> it takes time. But God's wanting you to put it down. Sometimes you may have to feel the shame and the embarrassment and the brokenness. And it's not until we know the cross of Christ and the power for him to transform us. You know something has to die for something to be resurrected. Moving from more of a Jesus admirer to a Jesus follower. Jesus says, "A mark of a disciple is he takes up his crosses and fo- cross and follow me." There's points where once what was once maybe okay is no longer okay, and he puts his thumb on. Have you ever felt God's thumb, if you will, in your back? It's going. This is not okay anymore. This just simply isn't okay. And if we did all this in a vacuum, that might be okay. If the way you dealt with these things or things that you're not willing to put down only affected you. If all you had to be responsible for was you and the life you live doesn't have any ripples... This might be okay. I I, I don't think so, but it might be. But none of us live in a vacuum. None of us live in isolation. The choices we make have ripples. A handful of decisions in your life Changes the trajectory of your life. And guess what? If you have got any pull on anybody's life or any influence, it very well may change the trajectory of your children's life, your marriage. You come to these points where you know that you have a choice. You've got this cross to bear. Sometimes it's something you can't put down and, and God has prepared you to carry this cross. Then there are times you have chosen to carry to put this on you and on your family and you're not willing to put it down. You say, "I don't choose God. I don't choose you. I choose me." I love you to a certain point, but I choose me. I, I would never go around and say it, but, I, but, but you know as you watch my life, you go, you, I would, I, I, my life is saying to you, it's about me. It's not about him. It's not about you. It's about me. Oh, yeah, you've had encounters with Jesus, but it's not just having an encounter with Jesus. what happens after the encounter that matters. And it can't be when you've had an encounter with Jesus and he changes everything, it is no longer about moi. Yeah, I can speak another language. (laughs) Besides South Arkansas. (laughs) Can you imagine looking your children in the eye and saying, or your spouse, and go, it's about I choose me with a smile on your face. I choose me. The other gospels share a little bit more of what Simon may have heard you can look it up in Luke chapter 23, 26- 33. I won't read that here, but Simon picks it up, and there's no doubt he heard Jesus speaking to the crowd, speaking to the women, and Jesus says, in Luke there, he says, "I don't, don't weep for me." He, he says, "You need to weep for you." I thought that's a cool way to say it. Jesus underneath all this. Jesus, Jesus has this Jesus is macho. No one takes my life, but what? I lay it down by my own accord. You don't take my life. Then he says, oh, and the women are weeping. They're weeping for Jesus. And Jesus goes, oh, don't be weeping for me. You need to be weeping for moi. (laughs) Yeah, we see Jesus this week didn't have a choice. No, 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 no. Don't don't look at him that way. He submitted to the plan. He was a servant of what God called him to do. Aren't you glad he stuck to the plan? Aren't you glad Jesus didn't say, Oh, I got other options. I'm going to leave all my options open. Aren't you glad he didn't say that? Aren't you glad he narrowed it down and said, I am going here for what I was called to do, and I'm going to live into the purpose of why I was brought to this earth. Acts 13, 36. David, and I'm just pulling stuff out of the air right now, but Acts <laughs> Acts 13, 36, David, the word says, it says that David served God's purpose in his own generation, then he died. What a great epitaph. I came to the earth, I did what I was supposed to do, and then he took me on. What a great legacy of your life. I serve my purpose. My my prayer to God is don't let me serve a minute past my purpose. handful of decisions that you haven't encountered with Jesus and it may look like a cross in the middle of that cross being put on your shoulders you hear Jesus speaking I think that day and I'm taking a little bit of liberty here on some of this. I think Simon, when he took that cross off, I took that beam off, and they took Jesus and they nailed him to that tree, I have a feeling he stayed. I have a feeling he watched. He'd heard the words of him talking. I think in that moment he realized what was at stake. Everything. And see, Mark writes, the reason why I chose this passage today on Father's Day, is that Mark includes Alexander and Rufus. We don't know that they're even born at this point. Because Mark writes this way later, right? He records this later, or at least we understand. And The reason why very well he records this the best we can understand is is because when he records Alexander and Rufus to the people he's writing to, they knew who they were. The church already knew who they were. It is believed that Simon of Cyrene helped And Antioch start not start what we call the church, the ecclesia. That's where it started. We were first called Christians. They believed Simon was there. We know that when Mark writes, he's writing to Rome. He had never been to Rome. I mean, you know, Paul. Paul, excuse me. Paul refers to him, and Paul had not been to Rome yet when he refers to Rufus and his mother. So look at this. They grew up. They became leaders in the church. See, what happened to Simon that day as a father, whether he was a father at that time or became a father, what we know is this, and it ripples through all of our lives. You can't just have an encounter with Jesus and say that's enough. It's what happens after the encounter that matters. has ripples for generations and when you die you know because i don't know if you know this if you're new to the church to to, to the christian church and the christian faith we don't believe in reincarnation this is one shot we're not coming back again to get another shot at this if it's not this life what life If it's not now, when? There's there's not another shot at this. But here's what I can tell you is that if you can live a life so much here, that it will feel like it lived for many, many lifetimes. It can have ripples for generations, or they're just glad you're gone. And some of you in here know what that's like to have a parent or a father who was just glad they were gone. And I hate that for you. I hate that. Or you can live a life in such a way that when you're gone, I mean, they're living off your fumes for two or three or four generations. <laughs> Which one do you want? Oh, dad was a good man. Yeah, he attended church on occasion. Yeah, but oh, no, 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 no. We're talking about fumes. half a dozen decisions maybe that changes the trajectory of your life and the ripples of your life it's not just encountering Jesus it's what happens after the encounter that matters Let me read Mark Batterson's quote again: "You're only one defining decision away from a totally different life. One defining decision can change your trajectory and put on a new path put you on a new path towards the promised land." Our defining decision, one defining decision, can totally change the forecast of your life. Jesus was all in on his decision. I know we live in a culture today, it's good to keep your options open because I'm afraid to overcommit because I might find something better to come along. I get that. It's an epidemic in our culture. But to commit, to be all in. Whatever comes my way, Lord, I'll prepare every day for what you may bring my way. Transform me. Change me. And To those who are dads here today, and it's not just dads, but specifically I'm just saying here, on Father's Day, And you've got a chance, no matter what your chapters have been up to this point, if you think they've not been good, you've got a chance today to write a new ending. That's for sure. That's Josiah and him to come down. We close. I know I got all high strung about all these little props I heard here today, but let me say this. For some of you, this may be where you need to start. It may be time to lay some things down. One of the things we still do in the Church of the Nazarene is these altars. And I know it's Father's Day, and that's not where we're going to do it, so I'm just disclaiming it, but it, it may be today. We call it consecration. The reason why we have these altars here, we kept them in the Church of the Nazarene. It's just a place to come. I remember December 14th, 1986. As I was in that little Baptist church, I'd given my life to the Lord the night before. As Allie shared last week on the side of a road. i remember standing at the front of that church and the way they used to do it was you'd come down front of anyone except christ i came down and you would the pastor would meet you and you'd shake your hand and 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 pray with you right there as people and you'd just keep coming it was so awesome and uh but i remember then what they did was they'd turn you around then they'd have everybody come and greet you which was pretty strange for a guy who just gave his life to the Lord, freaked out already, and now everybody's coming. Just to be honest with you, three reason why I don't do that because it kind of freaked me out just a little bit. Uh, but I remember this all these years later. The thing I kept remembering standing in front of that church was, now my kids, and only at that time I had one, now my kids can be raised the way they should be raised. I don't know why I knew that, I don't know why that came across my mind because I didn't know enough about anything, I'll be honest with you. Many of you know I didn't even know what the first book of the Bible was. But I knew that part. Dads, moms, big brothers, big sisters, (laughs) you're influencers. Don't cop out. You don't get to cop out. That's one thing about attending renovation. We're not going to let you cop out on that. You are called to be an influencer. Young people, children that are in this room today, the reason why we say influencers, because I don't care if you're in the sixth grade or the third grade or the first grade or wherever you are, you've got somebody looking at you. You're an influencer. We believe in you. The reason why we do what we do is because we believe at that age God can use you to impact the kingdom. We believe in you guys. We believe in you we're trying to create a space here at renovation where you get it all the way up all the way through youth all the way through young adult all the way through we're trying we need your help but it starts with committed people who are all in who feel the gravity of their lives the weight of their lives that he wants to use you I've said a thousand times it's a terrible plan but he made it, and so I get. I feel. I feel. I feel awesome that he's called us to this call. So, would you stand? I don't know what needs to happen today for you. For some of you, it may just be to come and just go. I'm driving a stake in the ground. You may not need to lay anything down. You just need to take a hammer and drive a stake down, and go. This is a spiritual marker. Okay, that on June sixteenth. 2019, I drove a stake down as the leader of my home, as a leader in my youth group, as a leader wherever I am putting a stake down, and I, if, <clears throat> with God's help, with God's help, I'll become everything I'm supposed to be for His glory and the impact of others. Okay, so we're going to sing a song, kind of upbeat. We're actually going to sing "Good Grace." I know sometimes you get a little more solemn in times like this. I think this is an exciting thing for some of you. I think it needs a little more behind it, okay? As God leads you, you come, and then we'll come and close. God bless you. Let me pray for us real quick. Lord, it's only you that can do this. We try to give the best conditions. We use this time today, this amount of minutes we had in this room today, hopefully, Lord, to not be the same as when we walked in. We know life has happened this last week, this last few weeks things hard heavy things maybe have been put on us Lord but you you are the only one that can help us make any sense of it even then you may not even show us but Lord what we do want to know is what we do want to know is is that you're surrounding us you're with us you're coming after us Lord we love the fact that you love the people around us and you love them enough to make us everything we're supposed to be to impact their lives thank you for the children in this room today Lord Thank you for these children. Lord, you held them in such high regard. We lift them up as influencers for the kingdom right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, use this time however you see fit. And Lord, I pray for receptive hearts for your glory. We pray this in your name, Jesus.